also pray right now that we would be able to move from what is a sacred and serious feeling moment to the moment of joy and a moment of laughter and a moment of light. God, I pray that your spirit would transition us in our hearts. And I pray that we wouldn't take ourselves so seriously this day. But we would take you serious. We would take your word serious. And that we would take the joy that you pour out in our lives seriously. And that we would revel in it and enjoy your presence as we learn together and as we laugh together. Amen. Amen. Welcome to 2017. It happened. How many of you were here last week? A few of you? I heard it was really awesome. It was a chance to kind of share what God did in 2016 and to say, welcome 2017. I uh, got a chance to, to be away with our family, celebrate Amelia's sixth birthday. Oh my goodness, she turned six while we were gone. So if, if that happens every time we leave, I'm never leaving town because she'll be like 12 before you know it, right? And she lost, her, she lost another bottom tooth. So if you see Amelia after service today, ask her to smile for you. It's really funny. She's like this gigantic gap in the bottom and it's just so cute. 2017, how many of you are like, surprised at what life looks like. Anybody? 2017 surprised what life looks like? Man, I thought when I was, you know, 15, 14, 13, I was just a kid. I, I'd think about the future, like 2017. And I'd think about what the future would be like, right? So I grew up in Alaska, and we were very close to Russia, so and Soviet Russia. So I know many of you didn't grow up with Soviet Russia, but Soviet Russia was like the big danger at the time. We actually literally had nuclear weapons um, drills. So if, if Russia had launched nuclear weapons at us, Alaska was first, and we were supposed to hide under our desks. Like that was going to help from melting, right, when the nuclear bombs went off. Uh, we, we'd hide underneath the desk. We'd have these drills. We'd talk about all the propaganda and how bad Soviet Russia was. So when I was a kid, one of the options would be that, that Russia would blow us all up and blow us to bits and smithereens. That was one plan. The Soviets would blow us up. But then there was the other side of that coin, and the other side of that coin was that we would all have flying cars. You know, this is a, oh, or Jesus return, turn, that's the other one. We'd all have flying cars and be able to fly around the earth. So it was like this really beautiful future of, of technology that brought world peace and harmony. And boys and girls got along. They didn't have cooties anymore. They discovered the cure for cooties. And they, they set us all free from all that stuff. It's either that or Jesus would return, or the Russians would blow us up. Those were our options. It was kind of a hot or cold sort of thing. We didn't have like this little middle ground place, you know. Wouldn't it be nice just to have the middle ground sometimes? That's kind of how I thought about it. It was pretty much going to be awesome, or it was going to be lousy. Don't you think it's amazing and just a little bit scary how completely unable we are to determine what it's going to look like? I mean, completely unable. No matter what we think the future is going to be, it always turns out different. I mean, I know that that happened this last year. That many of you last year thought things were going to look one way, and it didn't. I mean, who knows what will happen this year, right? Who knows what will happen this week? 
Who knows what will happen this morning? I mean, you've got me as a pastor. You just don't even know what I might do. I might put up a picture that involves Chuck Norris, maybe playing rock, paper, scissor, and he chose scissor, right? Or a squirrel on water skis. I mean, these are the things that I do, right? This is the kind of crazy stuff that you just don't, you can't expect it. It It was a mild chuckle, and it was intended to actually bring a real laugh. Very good. I laughed really hard when I saw the Chuck Norris one because that's so true. You know, me and Chuck, we go way back there. So true. Jeez. Your pastor's a geek. You guys know that? Your pastor's just a, he's a geek. And he can't, he can't. I make bad jokes and that's just the way it is. But it's good to laugh, right? It's good to laugh. Laughter is one of the ways I think that God works healing in people. A way that God often uses to bring a miracle in somebody's life. Somebody here today needed to laugh, and so I needed to allow for that moment. But when we thought about 2016, we thought about what 2016 would bring, many of us didn't have a year of laughter. We didn't have a year of happiness. We had a year of pain, where we expected a year of plenty and blessing. We had a year of hardship and pain, and fraught with separation, with heartache, with hurt. And now we sit here two weeks into the new year and we say, I am not really sure what tomorrow holds or what next week holds or what next month holds. I wish that I could just like magically turn on the crystal ball app at my iPad and, you know, maybe shake it a little bit and be like, oh, here's what's going to be for you this year, Ben. This is what's going to, God's going to bring into your life. Or Sandy, this is what the Lord is going to do for you this year. I wish I could do that. But sadly, my theology actually doesn't make space for that sort of thing. I know. In fact, if you, I think if you read the fine print of the Old Testament, you'll discover that God is like patently against humans knowing the details of the future. He is totally against it. He forbids divination, and that's using witchcraft to determine or to see into the future, to attempt to call up the dead and, to, you know, and ask the ghosts what's going to happen next. King Saul tried it in 1 Samuel 28. It records Saul's last-ditch efforts to hold on to his kingdom. He had just, like, he had utterly banished all of the people that did this sort of thing, all the soothsayers and diviners and all the crystal ball witches and such. He, he, he had banished them all from his kingdom. But now his kingdom is being surrounded by the mighty Philistine army. Those are the people like, where Goliath came from, David and Goliath, you know the story. So all these, these gigantic armies who had more tanks, had more guns, who had more missiles. Okay, they didn't have any of those things, but the modern day equivalent of them. And they were surrounded the kingdom and he didn't know which way to turn or what to do. So he decides to go and ask a witch to tell him what to do. And he goes to this witch and in desperation, and asked her to call up the spirit of Samuel the prophet. Samuel the prophet from the death. When this ghost actually came out of the ground, came out of the earth, the ghost was freaked out. He's like, what did you do? You know God doesn't like this. And the witch looks at the ghost and then looks back at the king and says, what did you do? You know that God doesn't want me to do this. And they're both freaking out. This is a picture that somebody painted about this. You know, And everybody's just like, panicking and pointing fingers at one another and God isn't for this all Saul got out of this communication was what he already knew that he had turned his heart from God and was now suffering the consequences and the next day he died so I don't think God is for us knowing the future in those terms some might argue that God does tell us about the future you know what else are prophets about right 
He's a prophet. Of course he knows something about the future. What about the book of Revelation? That talks all about the future. And yes, you're right. God does use prophets. He does use visions. He does use dreams. He does use revelations to show us what he has planned for the future. And we ought to pray that God would show us these things. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're, you're wondering about the future, ask God. Go, go to him in prayer and say, Lord, reveal to me the next steps. Reveal to me what's coming ahead. But here's this thing. The thing that I have found, and I think that Scripture bears this out, is that God is often very vague about details. He's very vague about details, annoyingly vague about details. And it is okay to say that, God. That's a little annoying to me in my human mindset. I, I trust you. I believe in you. I think you've got things together. But this is a little annoying that I can't see these things, Jesus. He leaves things intentionally vague. He reveals the outcomes, but he leaves out the path along the way. There's all these plot twists and turns that we don't see coming. Even Jesus was intentionally vague about the future. He said to his disciples, in this life, you will have troubles of many kinds. Thanks, Jesus. What was an encouraging word you just gave us there? Are we talking flat tires? Are we talking about cancer? Are we talking about hangnails or crucifixion nails? And maybe you could give us a date so that we get this in our day planners, you know, kind of plan ahead. We could have meals in the freezer or, you know, we could have some child care for the kids or a spare tire in the car. You know, if you want to let us in on this stuff, that'd be helpful. But life is a great story that God is writing. We have an ending in hand in the book of Revelation and several other things. And we read it and we know how it all wraps up. But the current that's going to carry us there from point A to point B, from point A to a glorious ending, it's still vague because it's still being written. And unlike a novel that we might pick up and read the last few pages and it wrecks the whole book for us, when we read that ending in the book of Revelation, when we read the endings that Jesus talks about in the Gospels, when we hear from the Lord and receive a vision from him, it doesn't wreck the ending. It makes the ending more sacred and glorious. So why would God not want to, dis to let us know, and know every detail of our future? First of all, I think this, we don't know what's coming next, but we do know where it's leading us. And we have to hold on to that. God wants us to know where our stories are leading us. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know what the next event is. We don't know what's going to happen in 2017. But we do know where 2017 and 2018 and 2019, should God give us those years, when they come, we know where those are going to lead us to our glorious ending in Jesus Christ. I also think that God wants to keep the details of our future vague for a couple of other reasons. I mean, God always has good reasons, right? Do you ever have a pastor that says, I'm not sure God has good reason for this? He's probably not a very good pastor, just saying. So I think God's got good reasons for these, and I may not know what they are, but I think he's got them. One of them that I can think of is free will. Free will. We get to choose how we get to that ending and which ending we're going to have when we get there. He doesn't want to force himself on us. Another one is faith and trust. God doesn't want us to, to force have the future forced on us. He wants us to have faith that he has the future taken care of and to trust him as he leads us in every step of the way, that he is real and that his love is real. You know, there's been a lot of times with you guys that I've preached sermons that call us to faith and to trust. They're themes of mine, themes of my life, things that God is speaking to me all the time. To trust and obey, to make a leap of faith, 
to in faith be bold. I've preached on fear and how fear can stop us from making those leaps of faith, from trusting God and his loving kindness toward us. I've challenged you to try new things, to experience greater joy and deeper meaning, to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've watched a lot of you do that. It has been so fun this last year in the midst of all the pain and all the strife and all the struggle that is represented in this church to watch you be tested in your faith and refined. To be shaken but not stirred. There was a small snicker there. To waver but to steady. I've seen you obey Christ in the face of great opposition. I've seen the love of Jesus in so many of you. And I say to anyone here who would give me the honor of this title as your pastor, that I am proud to be your pastor. And Jesus is proud to call you his child. This year I've been praying, this last several weeks actually, several months, been praying, God, what is it you want to say to this church in 2017? What is it you want to say to these people that you have given me the honor of being their pastor? What do you want to say to these people who are suffering? What do you want to say to these people who are struggling? What do you want to say to these people who are maybe just doing all right in life and just kind of bumping along but not real sure what's next? What do you want to say to us? I've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I began to be, feel a little bit like King Saul, a little bit anxious about not knowing the next steps, ready to run to the first person I could find that would give me an answer. Anxious because I see so many of you in this room and elsewhere, and perhaps maybe even listening online because I couldn't be here this morning because of snow or sickness. I've watched so many of you facing such hard things, and I wanted to give you the answer from the crystal ball about your future. Back in November, I received something from the Lord that I thought was for a few months from now. I've been praying and praying about missions and praying about missions month and what God wanted to do there. And this one word came into my mind. And I just kind of wrote it on a piece of paper and I set it aside. And I think that I kind of was starting to overthink things. And I began to like look elsewhere and wander far away from this one thing that God wanted to say. It's just one word, and that's often how it comes. The word like joy or bold, phrase like speak life. These are the things that God dumps into my head for you, and we talk about them here. And that one word kept coming back to me over and over and over and over again. I'd read the Bible, I'd read my own devotions, I'd read things I was studying for here, I'd read things about joy, and it kept coming up, popping up, bubbling up, and I'd just kind of like, okay, that's for later, that's for later, that's for later. And as my mother would say, that if it was a snake, this word would have bitten me. You know, as you know about that? Yeah, that's an expensive set of teeth right there, I happen to know. Thankfully, this word isn't a snake. Have I built the suspense up enough? Yeah, I probably have. Probably overbuilt it. You're like, okay, I'm done now. And it's all over the place. I've already given the spoiler. That one word is brave. The one word that God wants to speak into your life and into my life in 2017 is to be brave. Bravery is taking action on faith in the face of fear. In fact, you can't be brave without fear. I was talking to Heidi the other day, and I was, we were just kind of discussing the word and, and what God wants to say to us, and she's like, oh, I don't feel like a very brave person. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the bravest person I know. She goes, oh, no, whenever I do things, I'm always scared. When I preach, I'm scared. When I do this, I'm scared. You know, When I try something new, I'm scared. I go, but that's just it. 
You can't be brave without being afraid. Bravery comes in the face of fear. It comes in the face of fear of what other people are going to think about you. It comes in the face of fear of what the future holds. It comes in the face of fear of of the unknown. All sorts of fears come at us, but when bravery comes, we can move forward. Bravery looks like following God when the future is uncertain, praying when you hear only silence, choosing holiness when everything around you says to do just whatever the heck you want to do. Bravery is facing giants with a slingshot, invading a well-fortified land with only an army of homeless people. Over and over again in the scriptures, from beginning to end, God calls his people to be a people marked by bravery. Not just correct belief or quoting of scripture or seriousness or holiness, but by courageous faith. Faith that boldly trusts God and makes decisions and takes action, even when the odds are stacked against you. Solomon wrote of the famed and much sought after and impossible to measure up to Proverbs 31 woman. How many women here have ever felt less than a woman because of the Proverbs 31 woman? All right, the rest of you need to read Proverbs 31. You'll feel horrible about yourselves. I read the Proverbs 31 more and I feel horrible about myself. The Proverbs 31 woman is amazing. She's like impossible to find. Um, I think I've got as close as you can come in my wife, just saying. But this is what Solomon said about her. She is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. In other words, she's brave. As Moses stood before the people of Israel on the shores of the Jordan River, poised to enter into the promised land that God had promised them, he gives them this final speech, and I want to read it to you in Deuteronomy 31. I want to open your Bible there. It's toward the front of your Bible. I, I don't know where it's at in your Bible app, but you can find it pretty quickly, I imagine. 31, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 really fast. Here's what Moses says to the people as they're about to enter the promised land. Again, going back to what I just said, this is basically an army of homeless people about to enter into a foreign country that is well fortified and defended. And this is what Moses says. So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. No, you're not supposed to tell how old you are, right? I mean, geez, he's old, 120 years then he says, I am no longer able to go out and come in. So this is my last moment. This is it. I don't get out of the tent again after this. The Lord said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. And now, verse 3, I would, enter, I would write the word but here. And it's, it's kind of hinted at in the Hebrew. The word but would go here. But the Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Shinon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua, and he said to him, In the sight of all of Israel, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you 
or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So many of us need to hear that word spoken to us. Moses standing before us and looking at us and says, Be strong and courageous. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Whatever you're going into, God goes before you. And he goes with you. Be strong and courageous. Moses doesn't say this without reason. He recalls to mind the works of God in the past and his promises about the future. He says, based on what God did before, and based on what he's promised in the future, because of those things, be strong and courageous. Because of what God did in the past, and because of what God promises about the future, go be brave. Take action on faith in the face of fear. Paul similarly said in Philippians 4, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Christians are meant to live lives of bravery, of courage. We don't live anxiously. We don't aren't overwhelmed by anxiety and fear because we know that God is somewhere aloof and lost in heaven. No. Because God is where? With us. Because Jesus is Emmanuel. Because the Lord is near. So we don't live anxiously. And we don't live in fear. Because God is near. In every circumstance we can give thanks. And there are many, many, many tough circumstances represented in this room today. But I can rest in peace and you can rest in peace and we can all trust in Jesus because we know that God is with us and that alone is brave. Author Wes Stafford, as I was studying joy uh, this last season, he, I read this quote from him and I wanted to share it. I never found a spot for it exactly and it fits here so perfectly. He said this about joy. Wes Stafford said, joy is a decision a really brave one. A really brave one about how you're going to respond to what life gives you. What life throws at you isn't what matters, really. In fact, all the circumstances of life are in and of themselves really very neutral. We assign meaning to them. We assign meaning to death. We assign meaning to life. We assign meaning and, we, and to pain. They're in and of themselves neutral. It's not what life throws at us but how we choose to respond to them that matters the most. It's not what's on your plate this year, but how you handle it. And I want you to know this. What you choose to do with this moment changes everything. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks fleshing out how to be brave. How do we do that? But as I was kind of going through this, I felt like God wanted to call us specifically to three areas of bravery this year and specifically this week. The first one is this. Jesus is calling you to be brave enough to work through the mess. And not alone. To work through the mess with him. To walk through the mess that's in your life, the pain that's in your life, the relational breakdowns in your life, the mental illness issues in your life, whatever it happens to be, the mess that is right there in front of you, to be brave enough to walk through it with him. As a kid, 
um, I was a very messy child. I made a huge mess of my room. And when I got to middle school, it really fleshed out um, in my, my schoolwork. I couldn't keep up with all these different classes and stuff. My, I would put all my papers in a notebook, and I was that kid, if you walked down the hall and somebody you know, bumped your notebook, it would be like a paper explosion. It would be like that all over the, the hallways, and everybody would laugh. And I was that kid. And let's be honest, it's not a whole lot better now. But that was me. I wasn't good at keeping things tidy. I wasn't good at keeping things organized. Everything was a mess all around me. And the reason it was is partly because nobody taught me how to organize my life. And then once I came to wanting to do something about this, I was paralyzed by fear. I was paralyzed by not knowing how to do anything about it. And I was paralyzed by indecision. Where do I even start? What do I do first? You know what changed for me? I saw on the wall was this this little flyer that somebody put up for a class that was after school for kids who struggled with organization to come and learn how to organize your schoolwork into a notebook and and to manage all your classes. And my friends started like making fun of it, like, oh, only stupid kids would need that. Only stupid kids would need something like that. And I'm thinking inside that I must be one of these stupid kids because <laughs> I feel like I really need that. I made a decision in that moment that I was going to go take this class, no matter what anybody said, because I was tired of the paper explosion. I was tired of not knowing what was next and missing my assignments and the things that were going on. I was tired of being paralyzed by fear. And so I made a brave decision, and I went and took that class. And to this day, I can still put together a really nice notebook. I can't keep it that way very long, but I can organize that sucker, and I know how to move forward. Some of us are looking at the circumstances of our life in the same way. We're paralyzed. We don't know what to do next. We don't know what's coming. We're afraid to face things because of what others might think. We're afraid to face things because we're afraid of what God might think. We're afraid that maybe some of these things can't be cleaned up or fixed. We've been aware of the mess for some time, and we've been working really hard to hide it from other people or to ignore it, to look anywhere but into the mess. We'll distract ourselves, movie, television, telephones, uh, apps, Facebook. We look to other places to kind of numb the fear of it, and we hide, and it just sits there, and it gets messier and messier and messier, and we're paralyzed, and we don't know what to do. I sat with a friend uh, once who was having an affair with a woman, and if you are unsure what I mean by affair or adultery. It's anytime you have a relationship outside of being married that is romantic or sexual anyway. And he was having an affair. And I sat down with him across the desk. And I, my heart was just bleeding for my friend. And I said, what do, you, what do you think God thinks about this? What do you think God thinks about this? And his response was, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, well, how about, how about this? How about, how about I just commit to like every couple of days, every other day or every week, however long it takes, we can just take the Bible and we'll read through it and see what God thinks about living your life in this way. See what God thinks about it. And he looks at me and he says, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I might have to change how I live. I might have to give up something that I don't want to give up. What I want is more important. It was like being kicked in the gut. I wasn't worried about 
his sinfulness. I was worried about his heart. I was worried about his relationship with God. I was worried about how he was going to live a holy life. But I wasn't like judging him. I just wanted him to know what God thinks about these things. And there's this train wreck of a mess with a broken marriage, with children, and a choice to go an opposite direction that's going to continue to cause pain and hurt and suffering and draw him further and further from God. I hoped that going through the Word would change his heart. And that's my hope for you, just like my friend, that you would, just like the woman at the well, hear first from God how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, how he is for you, not against you, but that you would also hear, turn and go and sin no more, to grow closer to God, not further away from him, that God isn't condoning these things because he loves you. For those of you who are facing a mess in your life, one of your making, perhaps, or one of somebody else's making, I want to encourage you this morning to face it bravely. Face it bravely. Trust God more than you fear the mess. Because the Lord is at hand, and he loves you deeply, and he wants what is absolutely best for you. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, water is a, a metaphor for pain and suffering. When you pass through the waters and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Why? Because the Lord is near. This might mean facing some part of yourself that you don't want to face. It might mean facing your debt and starting to let God be the master of your finances instead of the finances being the master of you. It might mean getting clean or sober. It might mean leaving somebody. It might mean being honest with somebody or seeing a counselor, whatever it is, the Lord is calling you to face it bravely. But friends, hear me on this. Hear me on this. If you are still drawing breath, God is not done with you yet. Be brave and believe that God is for you. That was from Beth Moore, from me. Secondly, be brave enough to choose godliness this year. The second verse is the same as the first. It's just a little bit louder, and for some of you, a whole lot worse. Be brave enough to choose godliness. Be brave enough to do the right thing, the God thing. We humans, we run on a different operating system than, than the rest of creation. We were intended to run on a certain God system. We were designed to run a certain way that was best for us. God created us this way. And then when we chose to turn our hearts from God, we uploaded a new OS to our hearts, and that operating system often works out of a sense of greed, out of a sense of desire for the things that we want, pleasure, jealousy, anger, fear, security. You could probably fill in the blank what your operating system is running on, what causes you to act and to, to do different things, how all the other programs interface with your heart. This operating system is all messed up. Sometimes we make decisions and do things, and we don't even know why. You look at him, you're like, oh, why did I do that? What? I just lied. Why did I just lie? I just, I just was angry with somebody. It just blew up at him, and I don't even know why. Where did that even come from? It's just how we did it before. It's just how we saw our parents did it. It's what people showed us was okay, or everyone else is doing it that way. We even take words like bravery, and running on this old operating system, we utterly butcher it, and we say, hey, you should be brave and do ungodly things. 
tired of your relationship? Well, be brave and leave that relationship behind and go find something that's going to make you happy. Let's just be brave together and go do the things that are going to make us happy and feel good. Even if they hurt other people or hurt our own hearts or break up our families. We read the Bible, we hear a sermon, we feel prompted in our hearts that there's something that we are doing that is not pleasing to God, but we shrug it off and think, if I don't know what's wrong, or if I ignore it, then God won't be unhappy with me, and I can do whatever I want. I'm just going to be brave and do what I want. I want to encourage you this morning to be brave and choose to live in a way that's pleasing to God. To not live out of fear, but to live out of love. Beloved, that's you. Beloved of God and beloved by me. Since God loved us with such a great love, since his love was brave enough to endure the suffering and the shame of the cross, let us be brave enough to trust the Holy Spirit to teach us to live in a way rather than living from the operating system of this world. It won't be easy, but God will give you the strength to be brave. I love this verse from Hebrews in the Amplified Version of the Bible. The Amplified Version of the Bible is where they take the, the Hebrew or the Greek and they they like, this is all these words that are attached to that and it just makes it so much bigger and so much more meaning to it. This is what it says in Hebrews three eighteen and 19. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds' feet. Hinds are large deer, huge deer. He makes them like feet, makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon the high places of trouble and suffering or responsibility in my life. When God goes with you. There is nothing that you cannot face. Be brave. Finally, be brave enough to follow God's calling on your life. You ever heard God call you to do something? And I'm not talking about the big things. So many of those are like, I'm afraid if God calls me, I'm going to have to go on the missionary field. Let me tell you, you'll never hear the call to go on the missionary mission field if you haven't first obeyed God in something small in your life or several small things. And God, those things are coming at us all the time, thousands of opportunities every day to follow God's calling in your life, to speak to somebody, to buy a cup of coffee for somebody, to, to, to visit your neighbor who's sick, to show love and compassion to somebody who's angry or hurtful toward you. There's so many things. Perhaps it's a call to give your time to young people or to give your time to the Crisis Pregnancy Center or maybe even just to go on a mission trip. There are literally hundreds of opportunities that God calls people to jump into that extend his kingdom. Last month in our series Enjoy, I said to you that if you wanted something different for your life, you had to be willing to do new things. We're good at dreaming with God, to think up the way we want our lives to be, a life that, of faith that stands out as an example to the world of God's goodness and love, but we have to be brave to get there. You have to be brave enough to step out and obey God in something small every day. We have to first make one of hundreds of choices and decisions that follow Jesus every day. King David, the killer of Goliath, the giant, once wrote a song to God, and he said this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. It doesn't trust in other things. It doesn't trust in the things of this world, but it trusts in God and it chooses to follow God's way, to listen and to make a brave choice, to live like Jesus and to follow him in his calling. 
Friends, if you're going to dare to dream with God what 2017 could be like for you, you must be brave enough to fight for it. You must be brave enough to make decisions in your life that follow his way and his calling and not just yours. So in closing, I want to say this this morning. Be the bravest you can be. Be the bravest you can be. You don't have to be as brave as David. You don't have to be as brave as Jesus. You have to be as brave as you can be. We are all a little bit like Piglet, I think. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We're all like these little Winnie the Pooh characters. The more I think about it, the more brilliant the guy that wrote that book was. We're all a little bit like Piglet. We need Winnie the Pooh. There's all these stories, and I've watched tons of these. I watch it on my free time, obviously, uh, with my kids. And we watch these stories, and they'll go to these adventures, and Piglet will be going along, and Pooh will say something like, Piglet, that was a very brave thing for you to do for something so very small. For something so very small, something so very weak. And Piglet's like, what, what, it, it, it is? It is? He says, yes. You are very brave for something so very small. The only time you can be brave is when you're scared. Be brave. Hear my voice of Winnie the Pooh saying to you, you are brave. You may feel small, you may feel weak, you may feel overwhelmed, but you are so very brave. You are so very called. You are so very loved. Make a step. Live like Jesus. Be brave. Be brave. Do not pray for the hard things to go away but pray for bravery to come that is greater than the hard thing. Billy Graham once said that the courage of a man has the ability to stiffen even the weakest of spines. Be brave for somebody else so that they can be brave too. Let's be brave out there today. Let's not let fear overwhelm us. Let's not let uh, insecurity overwhelm us. Let's not let the not knowing overwhelm us. Let's not be paralyzed by these things. Let's not just endure Let's not just do okay. Let's engage. Let's be brave because somebody out there needs to see hope fleshed out. Somebody out there needs to see that God is for us. Somebody needs to see Jesus. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the new year. And I just want to close by singing this song. And actually, maybe we'll sing the song and then I'll close with a simple prayer for you. And maybe it's a prayer that you would write down and just make it your prayer for this new year. Jesus, I pray right now as we sing this song that you would reveal in our hearts the steps that we need to take, the place where we are frozen in fear, the places where we've chosen to be brave for the wrong things, and that we would choose to be brave for what is right. God, speak to our hearts now and maybe reveal just one or two places that we need to work this out in our lives with you, to trust your spirit to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us? Let's sing this together.